Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Abortion is on the rise in Illinois because of anti-life laws enacted in the state over the past couple of years. And it could get worse if pro-abortion lawmakers pass legislation that would repeal or weaken the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. But the Illinois Family Institute, the Pro-Life Action League, and other members of the Speak Out Illinois Coalition are working to protect life. Groups within the coalition met in Oak Brook recently to strategize on how to make Illinois, once again, a pro-life state. One of the highlights of that conference was a speech by the Reverend Caesar LaFleur, an IFI board member. He's also one of the founders of the Southland Coalition for Life and a local leader of the 40 Days for Life prayer campaign. Before he gave his inspirational remarks, the Reverend LaFleur was given the Speak Out Henry Hyde Life Leadership Award for 2020. It's an award name for the late Illinois U.S. Representative Henry Hyde, a pro-life champion and architect of the Hyde Amendment, which bans federal taxpayer dollars from being used to fund most abortions. Here's the Reverend Cesar LaFleur at the Speak Out Illinois 2020 conference. First, let me just tell you what an honor it is for me to be here with you here at Speak Out Illinois. You know, all day long yesterday, I was uh, seeing on social media pictures of my friends and some of my black pro-life and conservative friends in Washington, D.C., posting very well-dressed pictures of themselves, smiling and taking selfies with the president at the White House. And for a few moments, I allowed myself to become a little bit jealous because I wasn't able to respond to the invitation that I had to go and be with them. But I got over that pretty quickly because I remembered that today I was gonna be here with you. I felt I didn't need to be jealous of anyone because I would rather be no place else but here in this room with you, with Illinois' pro-life pioneers. And I want you to know that I consider it an honor to not only know you, but to be known by you. And I want you to know that I love you all very much. The Holy Spirit reminded me as I was reflecting on that yesterday that the places of honor are not necessarily in the marbled halls of human authority, but rather on the mission field of kingdom commitment with those who see service to the Lord as their greatest honor. I'm extremely happy to be here with you this morning. This is the blessing of my calling as I said, to not only to know you, but to be known by people such as yourselves, and then to be honored to walk with you daily down the path of defending the sanctity of innocent human life for all. I love you all. It's an honor to be here. And then to be honored with this distinguished award named for one of our most precious pro-life pioneers, Congressman Henry Hyde. It's more than I could have ever thought would be possible for someone like me. Receiving the Henry Hyde Leadership Award from you this morning is a personal honor for me, but it doesn't really celebrate anything special about me. What it celebrates and honors is the faithfulness of God, who has kept all of the promises that he made to me when I answered his undeniable call to the pro-life family ministry over 30 years ago. It also helps to bring into partial fulfillment some of the prophetic words of encouragement that were given to me by great men and women of the faith that God placed in my life to disciple me and to bring me along in this ministry. Great men like my pastor, the late George Liggins, who told me, Caesar, 
if you give the Lord a life, he will give you a ministry. And that has helped me through the years because I realized that there was no way that I could try to serve the Lord until I had a relationship with the Lord. I couldn't put the cart before the horse and try to do ministry until I had given my life over completely to him. And it's one of the things that I recommend to everyone. What we are called to do is not a part-time pursuit. It's not a hobby or something that we pick up. When God calls you into ministry, he requires your entire life. He retires it all from you. And so that is something that has helped me down through the years. Other men like Reverend John R.C. Tyler, who encouraged me at the very beginning to educate myself on the issues of life and then to go out and educate others. That has been the pursuit of my life is to try to know as much about this as I can both intellectually and experientially, so that I could have a compassion about these issues and then translate that into an education form for others so that they might know. And I will tell you, I was surprised at how much I didn't know, and even greater surprise when I found out how much other people did not know. The need to educate people still exists today, and I encourage us all to accept that challenge. There were people like Reverend Dr. Johnny Hunter, who challenged me to stand for life in every place that God places me, especially in the church, even if I have to stand alone. Now, I have to tell you that that was what surprised me because once God awakened me to this issue, when I went running to the church, I was surprised that I wasn't embraced enthusiastically. I was surprised at all of the resistance. In fact, some of the most vile resistance that I received were from people in the church. I was surprised when people called me names and people looked at me and they mocked me because I became a pro-life warrior. But then Jesus reminded me, they mocked me. So why wouldn't you expect that they were gonna mock you? And so those words helped me down through the years. And then there were people like Dr. Mildred Jefferson who reminded me that our calling to defend the lives of innocent babies goes far deeper and beyond any organizational commitment. She told me that it's a holy commission from God himself that is personal to each of us, but the responsibility of all of us. And then there was the late, great Pastor Hiram Crawford Sr and his wife, Eleanor Crawford, who demonstrated for me with their very lives what unwavering commitment to defending life and resisting the spiritual wickedness of abortion really looked like. Pastor Crawford was a wonderful mentor who once said to me, LaFleur, and he had that rough voice, LaFleur, <laughs> the devil is going to fight you hard because he wants to discourage you from the work that God has clearly gifted you to do. Everybody, I remember those words. And they, they've encouraged me during some of the difficult times that I experienced. They encouraged me when I experienced a failed marriage. They encouraged me when my kidneys failed. And then even recent betrayals that I experienced from friends and brothers who I thought were my co-laborers in the ministry. I recognize that it's not them, but the spirit of wickedness that operates through them. And it helped me to say, Lord, help me to not open up myself where I could be used in a negative way like that for anyone. You see, after the Lord had given me a spiritual awakening to the evils of abortion and had shaken me from the slumber that was my Christian faith at that moment, he then directed me to these wonderful people so that the seed of the abortion ministry that he had planted within me would not be aborted before he could give me the increase. You see, this was a spiritual awakening to come to the pro-life ministry. I didn't choose this as a vocational career. Who would do that? This was something that I had a spiritual awakening to by the Holy Spirit himself. 
And let me tell you this is very briefly that story because I share it everywhere I go. I listened to a sermon by a pastor named Richard Daniel Hinton, and the name of the sermon was Twin Signs of the Times. And it came out of the 17th chapter of the book of Luke, where he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man would come. And he went on to illustrate how similar the times we're living in now were to those days in the times of Noah. He talked about those days were time of darkness, time of apostasy, and a time of violence. And he says, as it was then, so it is now. We live in an age of darkness, apostasy, and violence. And to illustrate violence, he used the abortion issue. And he talked about abortion. I never knew him to be a pro-life minister. But that day, God used him to talk about abortion in a way that was so vivid and so compelling that it shook my heart and it snapped something in me. And he made us aware that, that abortion is violence against children. It's violence against women and children. It's the intentional killing of an innocent baby. And, and, and he made that child become more than just an inanimate object to me. It became a living human being that I felt that I needed to be concerned about. And to do that, he used a poem called The Abortion Tree. You've heard me recite it before, and I'll take the liberty to do it now. This poem shook me in such a way that I have never forgotten it. I don't have to read it. I've remembered it for 30 years. The poem says, I hang on the abortion tree. Dead, yes, dead as I could be. Which of you was my mother? And why did you do this to me? I did no harm to anyone. I had no chance to laugh or cry. Yet you, my mother, condemned me and hired a killer for me to die. You had me murdered before I was born, before I could learn to pray, before I could utter the words, Daddy, you killed me and threw me away. You threw me away like a piece of garbage. Your heart must have been callous and cold. But did you forget, mother dear, that I had an immortal soul? No one can predict what the future holds, and who knows what your suffering may be. But I won't be around to help you, mom, because you hanged me on the abortion tree. I want you to know that after I heard that sermon, and I heard him recite that poem, that the Holy Spirit awakened something in me, and I knew at that moment that I could never go back to sleep on this issue again. And it's been 32 years since that day, and yet here I still stand. So if the Lord would grant me any consideration, I pray that he would empower me to live my life in a way that honors the leadership award that you have blessed me with today, and that my life would have an impact on some of those who God would raise up that would come behind us. So for the next few moments, I'd like to use the occasion of receiving this leadership award today to not only encourage you, but to also challenge you to even greater efforts to stand against the sickness of abortion. I want to challenge us to turn up our spiritual disciplines in order to seek a spiritual awakening in the land and revival in the church that's going to be necessary for the end of abortion. I want to challenge us to work like never before to elect political leadership that is faith-driven and responsive to the voice of God. I want to challenge us to pursue a unity within our movement that is unbreakable and unmistakable, a unity that would distinguish us as the children of God and as the soldiers of the cross of Jesus Christ. And then I want to challenge us to remember that we are not victims. We are the soldiers in the army of God and that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. That's what the Bible says, and I believe it. How about you? The Reverend Cesar LaFleur, an Illinois Family Institute board member, 
will continue with his speech at the Speak Out Illinois 2020 conference after this. In the midst of this crisis, we're seeing amazing ingenuity. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Grave concern for the medical community continues to be the shortage of ventilators, which are vital for patients with severe respiratory issues from COVID-19. Healthcare systems around the world, including in the U.S., lack the supply needed to treat this many people at once. Enter engineers and medical professionals from MIT, who announced last week that they've come up with a design for a makeshift ventilator built from simple materials that most hospitals already have on hand. Even better, the researchers posted their design signs online to be used for free. See, these kind of stories bring to mind Psalm 8 and Psalm 139. God should be praised for creating humans in his likeness and giving us such amazing imagination and ingenuity and, at times, generosity to use our discoveries to serve and bless others. Lacking such engineering skills myself, I'm especially grateful to others who have them and are willing to serve their neighbors with them. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this edition, we're featuring remarks made by the Reverend Cesar LaFleur at the Speak Out Illinois 2020 Pro-Life Conference in Oak Brook. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, allow me to attempt to demonstrate what I have come to know is one of the core principles of true leadership. I've read that leadership is the ability to inspire people to go where they would not have necessarily gone on their own. It's the ability to inspire and motivate efforts that move people beyond their comfort zones and into the places that allow them to fulfill their destiny. It is said that leaders often create other leaders. In his book, For Every Idle Silence, Henry Hyde says this, effective, courageous, clear-headed leadership is something the pro-life movement really needs. Our strength is in our grassroots organizations, the hundreds and thousands of local groups encompassing countless dedicated men and women who do the hard work of education, lobbying, and fundraising. And I took my pencil and I added this in his book, praying, serving, and discipling as well. That was the hard work of the pro-life movement. I have a signed copy of that great book and I simply love the premise upon which it was written. The idea was borrowed from a quote by fourth century Archbishop St. Ambrose who is attributed as saying, not only for every idle word, but for every idle silence, man must render an account. What a deep and compelling thought that is from his grace to Archbishop, but he was simply erecting an argument for Christian responsibility in public affairs of men by building on the foundation that was laid by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew 12, 36, our Lord is quoted as saying, but I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And by idle word, I'm told that our Lord was speaking of words that do nothing, words that neither minister grace nor instruction to them who hear it. The word encompasses, uh, corresponds to the Hebrew word, which signifies not only vain or empty, but also wicked and injurious, such as a false testimony against a neighbor. 
as time won't allow me to go deep into this book, I would simply encourage you to get a copy for yourselves and be blessed by the inspired thoughts of one of Illinois' finest leaders. But the gist of what he addresses in this book can simply be boiled down to this. When it comes to standing against the legalized slaughter of babies in the wombs of their mothers, and in increasingly more often, babies that survive the womb yet struggle for life on surgical tables, we don't have the option of silence. We don't have the option of silence. This meeting is called Speak Out Illinois, and it's exactly what you have been doing, but it's also what we must do even more considering the times that we are living in. And somehow, people, somehow, we must convince our brothers and sisters who are sitting silently on the sidelines that if they don't raise their voices in righteous indignation and fight back with everything that they have to save the lives of the poor and innocents who are being slaughtered every day, then that silence in itself becomes vain and empty, as well as wicked and injurious. That silence in itself becomes a condemnation, not only for every idle word, but for every idle silence. They will have to give an account to God for their wicked apathy. And I call apathy in this case wicked because it's wicked, it's evil to sit silently when we see death that is being brought to the lives of these innocent babies and we say nothing. One of the scriptures that God used to shake me out of my slumber and awaken me to my pro-life responsibility is found in Jeremiah 2, 33-36, which says this, and I'm going to speak to King James. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Therefore hast thou also taught the wicked ones thy ways. Also in your skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, Surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee because thou sayest, I have not sinned. You don't have to agree with me, but I truly believe that simply because we don't have abortions, God would not absolve us of the responsibility for the shedding of the blood of poor innocents if we would remain silent and not do everything that we could in the face of this unimaginable evil. You might be wearing a new suit today, but there will still be blood in your skirts if we continue to shroud ourselves in a false protection of our silence in the face of this prevailing evil. We must cry out now louder than we ever have before. Now, more than ever, the army of God that is represented in the pro-life movement must rise up like a swarm and cover this nation with an unapologetic truth of being of life is precious from God and abortion is the devastating sin that is contaminating us all. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Abortion is a sin that is bringing up a reproach on this nation. And are we foolish enough to believe that a holy and righteous God will continue to uphold a people that would allow the lives of their children to be sacrificed on the altar of vanity and convenience? I say no. I say no, and we must cry out against it. So as I take my leave from you this morning, let me encourage us not to slow down from either discouragement or from any sense of accomplishment. Now is the time to turn up the heat. And together, let's seek God for the strength and wisdom to do even more than what we have already done. Now is the time to pray like we have never prayed before. The pro-life movement must become the leaders of the movement to bring spiritual awakening to the land and revival to the church because that is the only way of ending abortion. Let me just 
just say this parenthetically. We've got to stop looking so much to the courts, and we've got to stop looking so much to the politicians, and we're going to have to turn our eyes and lift up our faith to God because he is going to be the only one who's going to allow this evil to come to an end. We need the courts. We need the courts and we need the politicians. But the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Bible said, if the Lord doesn't build the house, the workers labor in vain. If the Lord doesn't keep the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now is the time for us to pray in every place that we can. 40 Days for Life is going on right now. Our greatest witness would be if every abortion meal that people are praying in front of would be overrun with believers who believe in the efficacy of prayer. Abortion is a spiritual problem which requires a spiritual solution. In Mark chapter 9, amen. In Mark chapter 9, when Jesus' disciples expressed frustration in their inability to cast out a persistent evil that was oppressing a man's child, our Lord contrasted uh, for the disciples with the, their lack of human ability with the power that's available to us in prayer. And he put it this way. He said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by praying and fasting. Jesus fully recognized that his followers then, as well as those of us who follow him now, would inevitably be confronted with persistent spiritual wickedness of all manners, and that our default reaction would be to attempt to combat that wickedness fueled mostly by the passion of our own righteous indignation. In their day, the disciples encountered opposition from the religious establishment, apostasy, idolatry among the people, and an occupation from a foreign power. Despite all of those obstacles compounded with their own poverty and limited resources, the Bible describes them as these that have turned the world upside down because they came to know how to accept the power of the Holy Spirit through fervent prayer. Listen, I'm telling you that there's no evil so great. There's not a wall so high. There's not a bully so big that the power of prayer with the power of the Holy Spirit is not able to knock it down. I don't care how disappointed you see and how great the task might be. Look around Illinois and it might look dark and it might look hopeless, but have hope because God is able. God is able if we would trust him and seek him with all of our heart. God is able to bring even Illinois into repentance. So we need to pray like never before. And then there's some wonderful people that are running for political office. Jeannie Ives and Eric Wallace and Tim Ozinga, just to name a few. I encourage us all to get involved politically. Now is not the time for us to be silent. Oh, what could we accomplish if the pro-life movement just went out like a swarm and knocked on doors and called neighbors and supported? And then we need to send righteous people to Springfield. We need to send righteous people to Washington, D.C. Maybe some of you all need to pray about how God can use you in that area. But we need to get involved politically now more than ever. Because nowadays, have you noticed, they're not even trying to be subtle with their wickedness anymore. They're just coming out telling us that everything they want to bring to us is anti-biblical and against the word of God. It shows just who their motivator is. Because they seem like they want to bring to us everything that God condemns. So now is the time to send righteous people to lead us. The Bible says when the righteous are in power, that does well for the city. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And finally, as I close, we need to pursue a unity that is unmistakable. 
that would distinguish us as the children of God, as the body of Christ. There's no more time for any separation. There's no more time for any division between us. There is no black pro-life movement and white pro-life movement. There is no black church or white church. There is no Spanish church. There's only the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. We are the soldiers of the cross. And now we need each other more than ever. There needs to be a unity within the, the pro-life movement that would make the church, the organized church, see and envy the way that we love one another and work with one another. There are some of us that have much, and there are some of us that have little. What you have should be made available to me. And what I don't have in natural resources, God has given me in other ways. So we need one another. We need one another. I was a co-pastor, and my senior pastor was a white guy. And he had no rhythm. <laughs> no rhythm. And so when we would be clapping, <laughs> like at a song, you know, black people, we clap on the two and four. He clapped on one, four, three. He just had no rhythm. But when we stood together and clapped, all of the beats got covered. All of the beats got covered. So let me just encourage us, let's work together. Let's be together. Let's be one body, one, one church, one people, pursuing one destiny, serving one God, serving one king, no other king but King Jesus, one army, the army of righteousness. And let's go out and let's believe, let's trust God. You know, let's go with faith and believe that God is going to answer our prayer. It might take a while, but who knows when God's going to come? Who knows? I never knew. I didn't know the day God woke me up from this that I was going to get saved that day, but I did. And who knows there might be some politician somewhere that God could quick his heart in a moment and it could turn the tide of the legislation in our state. So thank you all so much for everything that you do. Thank you so much for this and God bless each and every one of you all. The Reverend Cesar LaFleur at the recent Speak Out Illinois Pro-Life Conference in Oak Brook. Stay informed about life issues by visiting speakoutillinois.org and illinoisfamily.org. And when you visit the IFI website, click Officials Finder for the names and phone numbers of your state and federal lawmakers. Encourage them to support legislation that protects and promotes life and urge them to oppose anti-life measures. And please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. And tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.